What a beautiful service, amen? The more color, the more better. And if you doubt that, then you need to get to know Jojo. Where is Jojo sitting? Where is Jojo sitting? Where is she at? Oh, she's not. There she is. Look at Jojo right there. Jojo reminds me every day, the more color, the more better. Um, I just want to thank Kayla and um, Pastor Diana, Pastor Scott. Um, this is one of our highlights to come out and be a part of this service. But when we're invited, we're, we're treated like family, like part of the church family. We're not invited to just spectate, but we're invited to participate in worship with you. And that word with is so important to us. We do have a lot of uh, churches that write bigger checks that don't get the word with. But this church gets it. And when we come out here, we're not coming out here to just be a side part. We're coming out here to worship with you. And that with is so important. We read today, for his name will be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Today we celebrate the fact that God came. And after we're done with the message portion, there's going to be a beautiful pageant. And there's going to be angels and shepherds and kings and sheep and Mary and Joseph and a real live baby Jesus in this show. And there's even a star in the show. So stick around after the message. We're going to have a great pageant. But we must not only reflect on the fact that Jesus came. It's also important to know how he came when he came, and who he came to. How did Jesus come? Jesus came as someone who was poor, and he came to the poor. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus was first presented in the temple, and Mary and Joseph offered a sacrifice in keeping with the law of the Lord. They offered two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. No, just the two turtle doves. Or two young pigeons. It's only the very poorest Jews who were permitted to make such a small sacrifice like pigeons. Philippians 2, we're reminded that Jesus made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, he humbled himself. It was not a coincidence that Jesus came to a people in a despised region. After all, the question was asked, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's not only significant to know how he came, but when he came. Jesus came in a period of time where the people of God felt abandoned by God. Has anyone here felt a little distant from God? Maybe at times even abandoned by God. We like to sing the Christmas song, Silent Night. But the reality was that Jesus came during a period in history where the voice of Almighty God had not been heard for 400 years. It was not merely a silent night, but it was four silent centuries where there was no prophet and no word from the Lord. We have a song in the black church that goes, He's an on-time God. Yes, He is. Oh, an on-time God. Yes, He is. He may not come when you want Him, 
But he'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. You know, the testimony of the black church has helped me realize that God's ways are not our ways. The black church has endured so much suffering from slavery on. You can only imagine how often during those times of suffering they called out to God for God to intervene and answer. Yet so much of the oppression and the suffering continued. Yet in the end, the resilient black church discovered God's enduring faithfulness that He is indeed an on-time God and the righteous will not be forsaken. They have a saying that says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That night might be a long time, but the joy is coming, and it comes in the morning. We will have a morning ahead of us. So for those of you that are here today, that have been asking for a word from the Lord. I remember last year at this time, we were asking for a word from the Lord. And maybe you have yet to receive it. Keep asking. Keep asking. For when His word comes, it will be the right word for you, and it will be the word that is right on time. And when the word finally did come, it was more than a word. It was Emmanuel Himself. The Word moved into the neighborhood. Who did he come to? Well, he was born in a stable. His first converts were the shepherds. He entered the world during a time of great political crisis, during a time of governmental tyranny, even triggering the governmental sanction of killing all the boys his age. Yet we are told, For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He became a refugee, fleeing his troubled homeland, and he lived as an immigrant in Africa. He came to those on the margins, living as one on the margins, to seek and save those who themselves were marginalized. Jesus came to bring good news of great joy that will be for All people. But especially, it's good news for those who are poor. And it's good news for those who are living in a region that's despised. And for those who are living in silence. And for those who are suffering from oppression. For those who are living as refugees. For those who call themselves immigrants. It was as if God was trying to say to the hurting people of our world, not only is this good news for you, But the good news that is about to come is going to come as one of you. I am incarnation, and I have moved into your neighborhood. Incarnation is about where we live. It's around us, it's near to us, and it often comes in ways we least expect it. For me, incarnation comes in North Lawndale, a community that my wife and I moved into 26 years ago. 98% African American, 2% other. You can figure out where we fit in. We were coming ourselves to discover the good news. Much of what I now believe about God, much of the theology that guides my decisions and my values, much of what I come to know about God's heart and love and compassion I have learned from the very people I came to serve. 
The African-American community has been God's tool in my life to reveal so much more of who he is than I knew prior to moving into the neighborhood. Briefly this morning, I want to share a few things that I've learned from the black community and that have helped me to embrace and know this Emmanuel who moved into the neighborhood. The black church has helped me learn what true forgiveness looks like. On June 17, 2015, Dylan Roof, a 21-year-old self-professed white supremacist, walked into Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in downtown Charleston, South Carolina, and he opened fire shooting 12 people, nine of whom died, in what is known as the Charlestown Church Massacre. At that time, it was the deadliest mass shooting in an American place of worship. One year later, Roof was convicted and found guilty of 33 federal hate crimes, including nine counts of first-degree murder, and he was given the death penalty. But the most remarkable story of this crime was not concerning the shooter who posted a manifesto of racial hatred before the rampage and another one from his prison cell. But the most powerful story was of the people of Emmanuel AME Church. A 202-year-old church that was founded back in 1816 and houses the oldest historically black congregation in the American South. In fact, one of its co-founders, Denmark Vesey, helped plan the slave rebellion of 1822 and was later hanged with 35 people as their original church was burned to the ground. But the landmark church was rebuilt by Denmark Vesey's son in 1865, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, and they selected their new name. Their new name was to be Emmanuel, God is with us. Emmanuel AME Church played a significant role during the slavery era and as a voice for people during the civil rights movement and as a location for the Black Lives Matter. But perhaps their greatest legacy as a church will be for what happened right after the 2015 tragedy where two of its pastors and many of its key leaders and family members and friends were gunned down. The church offered forgiveness. The church offered forgiveness. Word traveled throughout the country and around the world that even in a situation where the perpetrator was unrepentant and unremorseful, a black church did something that in the eyes of man seemed foolish But in the eyes of Jesus made perfect sense. They publicly said, Father, forgive him. He did not know what he was doing. Anthony Thompson, who lost his wife Myra that day, stood up at the trial of Dylan Roof and said, I forgive you. My family forgives you. Our church forgives you. I cannot speak for God, so all I can tell you is that you must repent. While the church, the black church, does not have a market on forgiveness, if anyone has the right not to forgive, the black church, the black community have that right. From slavery to Jim Crow, from KKK to the discriminatory laws that incarcerate black people nine times more than whites for the same crimes, 
From segregated water fountains in schools to voting discrimination, from crooked housing practices to mass incarceration, black people have every right to hold bitterness and resentment and anger. Yet for 26 years, I have been embraced as Mutahi. Mutahi is a Ugandan word, a name that's been given to me, which means neighbor. Mutahi. I've been offered forgiveness. I've been granted the status of neighbor. I was raised in a white culture in a church where you were taught to be a good boy, which was code word for don't mess up. The subtle message was to live as close to perfection as possible and at a minimum don't do anything to embarrass or shame the family or the family's name. The pressure has led many to both run away from the culture and to run away from the church. Because who among us can live up to that pressure? But the black church has helped me come to realize that I am hopelessly flawed and imperfect. I don't know, there's something freeing about that. I'm a screw up. That's kind of nice. That my failures are the very reason why Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And that if we're true followers of this Emmanuel, we will both seek forgiveness and offer forgiveness to others. Because blessed are the merciful, they will be shown mercy. I've been extended forgiveness and mercy by my neighbors, by the people in the church at Lawndale, by many of my colleagues and students that are here this morning. They know I've made many mistakes in my leadership and as a man. And the black church continues to model out to me time and time again that Jesus comes to seek and save that which is lost. Another lesson that I've learned from the black church, and get this, sharing in suffering is far more important than preventing suffering. Let me say this again. Sharing in suffering is far more important than preventing suffering. My main role at Wyman is to serve as a father figure for the youth in our community. Like any responsible father, you do whatever you can to help make the lives of your children as good as it can be. Part of this is to help prevent or alleviate any suffering or hardships that are obstacles or barriers in their lives. One of my children who's here today, Marcel Pickett in the front row, many of you know Marcel, Last year he had a club foot, and this year he had a club foot amputated. I know many of you in the church here prayed for him as he was going through that surgery and his rehab. Well, I've known Marcel for 13 years. He's 28, so I've known him since he was about 15. More than that, 15 years, maybe. When he was in high school, he wanted to go to a school's homecoming dance. And I wanted to alleviate the burden for him of getting on public transportation in his new suit. He was looking good. So I said, I'll take you and I'll drop you off. Around 10.30, give me a call when you get on the bus and head back to the west side and I'll pick you up at every bus stop and I'll shuttle you over the mile till you get home. So that's what he did. I got the call, I went to pick Marcel up and we traveled over to his house. Needless to say, Marcel was sweating profusely because he was at the dance. And according to him, he was the hottest thing on the dance floor. I told him, you probably dance like you play hoops. (laughs) Brought him down a few pegs. So we were in our old world of kind of joking and having a good time, and we pulled up in front of his house, and out of nowhere, 
seven or eight guys with guns pulled out, pointed those guns at our heads, opened our car doors, yanked us out of the van, put us on the hood, guns were held to our heads, guns were held to our back, only to discover that they were plain-clothed, undercover SWAT team that was performing surveillance on the building we just pulled up in front of. Apparently, they believed that I was the kingpin dealer. Of course, in a charity vehicle with a sweaty high school student. And there was no doubt in our minds, for Marcel and myself, that this was a life-or-death moment. We had seen too much of this on the TV. If we did anything unusual, or if these officers lacked any restraint, one of us would not make it through the encounter. It was to this day the scariest moment of my life. A half a dozen cars pulled up with their lights on and people from all over came out of their apartments to see what was happening. Needless to say, when they pulled out my ID and saw that I was a local minister and the director of Wyman, they sheepishly put down their guns, they quickly got into their vehicles and they sped away, leaving us shaken but not hurt and probably... I'll neither confirm nor deny that I wet my pants in the process. (laughs) But what happened next was the silver lining. The community that had gathered to see this incident began to came over and congratulate me. You really one of us now, aren't you? (laughs) One person officially gave me my black card. They welcomed me to the family. One joked, you don't know how good it is for me to see a white man experience police brutality. What they really were saying was this. We are a community that experiences very real trauma and suffering. And while we appreciate all you do to prevent suffering, in order for you to experience incarnational friendship... We need for you to engage in suffering with us. If you are willing to endure suffering with us, then we will see you as one of us. Isn't that what Jesus proclaimed by becoming incarnate, Emmanuel, God moving into the neighborhood? Whether dining with sinners or embracing the prostitute or touching the lepers or loving the Samaritan or being with demon-possessed folk or 5,000 hungry people, Jesus rejected the comfortable, predictable, safe path for a narrow way that took Him from the manger to the cross. Living as a simple carpenter, rejected by His own people, often living in places where the Son of Man has no place to lay His head. How did we... Take Emmanuel's example of walking the way of suffering with people in their lives to do everything possible to prevent suffering for ourselves and our family. The black community has taught me how to suffer with. And for that I'm grateful. I could go on and on sharing about all I've learned from the black community. But here's the spiritual principle I want you to take with you for this Advent. It comes from one of my favorite prayers, the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. You know the beginning, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me love. 
Where there's injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there's despair, hope. Where there's darkness, light. Where there's sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. But here's the best part. For it is in giving that we receive. Amen? Anything you give up for the sake of Christ will be given back to you in abundance. It is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning and forgiving that we are forgiven. Not because someone asked for it. They might be unrepentant, unapologetic. But as we offer pardoning to others, we receive pardon from God Himself. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Not only does God want to reach all nations, all peoples, all tribes, all tongues, but if we're willing to reach out and form bridges and live purposeful lives with those of different races and nationalities and ethnos and people groups, God will use us to do His work, but perhaps even more importantly, God will do His work in our lives. And we will come to discover more fully who this Emmanuel is who moved into our neighborhood. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise His holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise His name forever. His power and His glory evermore proclaim. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. Oh, night divine. Oh, holy night. Amen. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is the song that we have been singing and Michael has brought home the reality of Emmanuel. Those are names given to Jesus that were the longing of the people of God. And one of the names was given was Desire of Nations. O Come, Desire of Nations, bind all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid now our sad division cease and be thyself our king of peace. Desire of nations, nations. Bid our sad division cease. Look at the world right now. And the divisions there are between nations and the divisions that there are within nations as well. We grieve from afar over what's happening in Yemen or in Syria. And yet when we learn about the conflict in Nicaragua, it comes right home to us. Because our dear friends, Martin and Luisa and their children, Shannon and Kelsey, are part of Naperville Covenant right now because they had to flee the violence in Nicaragua where there are sad divisions in their homeland that they love. But that word nations, you know, that uh, in, in the old Hebrew, it was the it was word goy, which meant Gentiles. And when it got translated into Greek, it's the word ethnos. Ethnos, from which we get the word ethnic. Come desire of all peoples. People who are different is what ethnos means. Come desire of nations and, and heal our sad divisions. We've heard clearly from Michael today what those sad divisions are as they impact African-American community and it becomes real to us.
We heard the sadness of it in the words of Kathy Kong as she spoke of her experiences as a Korean-American woman. The sad divisions of racism. And yet she says this, I am a Christian and in my gender, racial, and ethnic identity, I am an image bearer of God. God created a colorful, vibrant, diverse world of image bearers. We are all image bearers who display God's wholeness. I love this line. In a way one person, one race, one ethnicity, one gender cannot do. We are the image bearers of God. I'm so grateful for Michael opening up today and sharing some of that story to make it real for us what they're experiencing and what we at Naperville Covenant Church are are endeavoring to learn more about from each other, about each of our racial journeys, whether or uh, whatever our ethnicity is, Western European or wherever in the world. Learning from one another, that's what that survey is in your bullet and take some time with that later if you can, but we want to hear each other's stories and hear about it. But I'll finish, and you love that word, I know, but there's actually two names of Jesus in this uh, hymn Oh, come now, desire of nations, what we're longing for. We desire for you to come and heal our sad divisions. Bid now our sad divisions cease and be thyself our what? Our king of peace. I am more and more convinced the more I learn about all of these issues and understand the dynamics of racial reconciliation and brokenness that the only answer is in the gospel. The only hope for healing the divisions and becoming one and recognizing our differences and enjoying the diversity and worshiping together and changing this broken world is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, our King of Peace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the powerful work that you do in the lives of your people. We thank you for the hope that you have given to the African-American community through years and centuries of suffering. The lessons that Michael learned are lessons we too need to learn. May we learn from each other across all of our ethnic stories, Lord God, and come to that conclusion to know that the only hope of not just getting along, but of flourishing in this world and making a difference is found in you, Jesus, the desire of nations, our King of peace. We pray this in your name and we continue to celebrate you. Amen.